Well, it's great to see you all here today on this first day of uh, our Advent season. And before we go any further, I just think we need to pause and extend some appreciation to, uh, to the team of people who descended upon the sanctuary and upon the church and, uh, and decorated all of this wonderful Christmas uh, decor for us. It was a team led by uh, Alicia McIsaac. And so whether you're on site, can we clap for them? If you're, if you're at home, type thank you into the comment box. Let's express our appreciation for, uh, for Alicia and the team of volunteers that helped to uh, transform this uh, building for us yet again this year. As you heard in the announcements, we are planning a Christmas Eve service. There's obviously a degree of question around some of that in light of some of the restrictions that may or may not be here. But at this point, we're anticipating that the restrictions and the uh, procedures we have in place for Sunday morning, they are still in line with what is required of us. And so there's a way that we can do Christmas Eve. So at this point, we are planning to do an in-person Christmas Eve service as well as an online uh, Christmas Eve service as well. But you'll notice in the announcements, we're asking people to register for the on-site service this year. That just helps us to, uh, to, to watch our numbers and to plan some of the seating arrangements and also some of the special elements that might factor in. So pay, pay special note to that as we enter into, uh, into December in the weeks ahead here. Well, as we start today with this new series... I've always got this challenge to pick what is the focus and the theme going to be for the next couple of weeks. And i got to tell you, this week was a little trickier than, uh, or this year was a little trickier than past ones. It's hard to choose because on one hand, we need to stay true to the familiar themes and meanings of Christmas. But at the same time, we have to take into account the uniqueness of what people have experienced in the past year. And let's just say, that the themes of Christmas do not match so nicely with the realities of the world around us right now. Now, there was one idea that I had come up with initially that I thought was really good, and I got mixed reviews on it. I, I thought it was pretty good. I was going to name this series based upon the classic Christmas carol, I'll Be Home for Christmas. And I, I thought that was maybe a little bit too real for, for a lot of people. And then I came across the title of a series, The Best Christmas Ever. And I thought, well, that's a little too unreal. Because how could anything in 2020 be the best ever? And we know that this year is a year full of challenges. There's been all sorts of changes and, and loss that people have experienced. And Christmas is no exception to that. We're already starting to feel some of that a bit. I know that there are, are those who had family who are going to come visit them, who always come visit them. This year... It's probably not going to happen. I know there are others who are struggling to buy gifts for their loved ones, and that's a big part of the tradition that they have in their family. I know there are all sorts of other traditions in terms of, of baking and, and cookie swaps and, and getting together for festivities is a challenge this year. So we just can't gather. You know, this past weekend in my own home, we were decorating the house with lights and putting up the tree and putting all the decorations out throughout the house. And then Nadine and I kind of stopped and... We looked at each other, we thought, why? Like, like, like who's going to see it? It's just for us. We do all this work for us to look at it, for all us to do this work to take it back down again. And so we actually stopped decorating. We still have our tree up with some decorations, but, but we stopped the other stuff. That's hard. It, it seems like there might be this, this loss of hope. But let me ask you a question. Is, is that what Christmas is about? 
There's nothing wrong with those things. Like, like I love, and I, I think it's beautiful, the, the decorations, the celebrations, the presents, the gatherings, the baking. It is fantastic. And, and we hope and pray that all those things are back next year. But if that's what defines our Christmas, if that's the only thing we're going to measure Christmas by, then no, it's, it's not going to be the best Christmas ever. But what if this year? More than any other year in the past, we focus upon the never changing, the things that can be never taken away from us, and that being the reality that God dwelt among man, that God born of spirit and of flesh was laid in a manger, and God, the unchanging, ever-present gift of hope, peace, joy, and love is available to us today. And if that's what our focus is, if that's the case, then, then as we enter into this series, you may start off by saying, best Christmas ever, well, question mark. And if that's where you're at, I understand. That's okay. But it's my prayer that throughout this series, by, by the time we reach the end of this series, that we be able to say the best Christmas ever, exclamation point. Not because of what's happening around us, but because of what Jesus means to us. And as, as Paul tells us in Romans 8, that he is convinced, as am I convinced, that there is nothing, that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the past nor the present nor any powers, neither heights nor depths nor anything in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so as we focus upon these unchanging, ever-present gifts that God gives for us during this Advent season, we begin today with the gift of hope. Now, as you look at this gift I brought up, you probably couldn't miss it as I walked up with this large, red, shiny box. And as you look at this beautifully wrapped present, if I told you that the tag on here had your name upon it, what do you hope would be inside? Feel, feel free to, anybody have any thoughts? Feel free to call it out. What do you hope might be inside? If you're online, feel free to type in the text box what you think would be online. What do you think? What do you think, Zach? Money. Yes. Yes, we are a church, and money has to be accounted for. So it's probably not money in here for you, unless your paycheck's in here. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? A vaccine. There we go. Yes, we can hope for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, any other things that we hope might be in this box if this was for you? Sorry? Oh, yes. All sorts of wonderful things. You know, if you are... A child, maybe you would hope for Lego. If you were 18, maybe a PS5, which is nearly impossible to find right now. Mom might want perfume. Dad might want some new tools. But no matter what your answer is to what you hope would be in this box for you, they all share one thing in common. They share the anticipation of the fulfillment that you could maybe possibly, yes, obtain something you desire. But that's actually the definition of hope. The definition of hope is that you can obtain something that you desire. But see, hope can only survive when belief and future fulfillment still exists. I came across a Christmas list this week that was written by a 13-year-old girl, and it started off with some common things, things that she was hoping mom and dad or Santa would bring for her, such as clothes and makeup and, and pumas. Those are shoes, not the jungle cat. Pumas and earrings. 
Nothing too surprising. Then there was a break in her list, and then she started writing more things, such as an iPhone 12 Pro, AirPods, a MacBook. Clearly, she'd be listening to the Apple Corporation, but, but her list went beyond the Apple Corporation to, to Gucci slides, a pearl necklace, Chanel perfume, $4,000, and if Santa somehow, someway could find it, she wanted a real duck. Now, I'm not sure how much ducks are, but aside from the duck, her Christmas list came to roughly $15,000 in items that she wanted. And she is sitting in high hopes that she'll get this, but we laugh at that because we know there is no hope in that being fulfilled if she lived in one of our houses. But that's actually the definition of hopelessness. See, hopelessness is all about the loss of faith, about the loss of belief and the desired outcome being possible. Now, I know and you know that there are people struggling all around us right now who, in the face of fear, of anxiety, in a sense of hopelessness. Throughout our province, there are many people out of work. Currently in Alberta, the jobless rate is at 12%. 12% is a big number for jobless rate, but let's look at that a different way. That means in Alberta, 200,000 people are unemployed. We're hearing reports right now at this time that, that divorce and separation inquiries are up 30% in the province. And all of us are impacted by, by the social implications, the lack of sports activities, the way that we have to alter how we worship, and, and, the, and the uncertainty around small businesses that exist right now. For all of these people and for more, wouldn't hope be an absolutely incredible gift to give and to receive this year? I think it would. And it's a timeless gift because all generations, have, for different reasons, have experienced this need for hope. We can even go back into the Old Testament and the people of God during the time of Isaiah. We're living in, in tumultuous season. See, it was the start of them being taken over by a foreign force who was threatening their health and their safety and their future and their loved ones and the way of life that they had come to know. It was, this is the beginning of what would turn into the Babylonian captivity that we learned about during Daniel, our series on Daniel earlier this fall. Now, some of these struggles that they had were self-imposed due to the sinfulness. God had promised them that he would be with them and bless them, but, but if they turned from him, that they would, they would endure challenges. And so some of what they are experiencing was, was self-imposed due to their sinfulness. But regardless of the reason, they were feeling this, this abandonment, this separation from God. And in the midst of this, Isaiah steps forward and writes prophetically in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that one day... A Messiah would come and all of their current troubles would be removed. And he does this using the metaphor of light and darkness to symbolize that hope is on the way. And he says in Isaiah 9 verse 2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light upon all those in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. We all know what it's like to stumble around in a pitch black room. Maybe because the power went out. Or you get up in the middle of the night and you want to get a drink of water, but you don't want to turn the light on to disturb anybody else. So you, so you, so you put your hands out and you just kind of slowly try to navigate the room. You don't want to bump in any corners of walls. You don't want to bump in any chairs. And if you have kids, you certainly don't want to step on any Lego because that's its own kind of pain altogether. 
But likewise, the, the darkness here symbolizes the fear and uncertainty of people trying to navigate their lives during times of challenge and, tr- and trouble. See, every person in some way knows that feeling of trying to walk in the midst of the shadows. Sometimes for situations out of our control, where where others have made decisions that impact us. Health challenges that sneak up on us. Feels like the lights that used to mark our path were shut off and we're unsure how to find our way through it. Sometimes it's due to poor choices where, where, where sinful habits or, or, or these questionable choices just plague us and leads to broken relationships and, and unhealed wounds in our lives. And we can start to feel that isolation from God and from others and we realize that this is a road we are not equipped to walk alone. As we look at this verse in Isaiah 9-2, notice that it doesn't say the solution is to just try harder to find the switch to turn it on. Nor does it say that we need to resign ourselves to some dystopian future where there is no light. It's not what it says. See, the message in Isaiah 9-2 is that sometimes things are bad. Sometimes things are really dark. But God knows about it. Which is why there is hope for those who live in the land of shadows. Because the light has dawned upon those who live in the land of shadows. It it, it doesn't say a light has sprung up from this world. It says, rather, a light has dawned upon this world. See, Isaiah is stating here that this light comes from outside of the world, and that is from where hope springs. He's alluding here to the arrival of Jesus Christ, whom we celebrate at Christmas. And the promise is that the light of hope is offered to the entire nation of Israel who are living in this time of darkness if they would have eyes to see it and if they would have the courage and if they would dare to open it. But then building upon this, the the Apostle Paul in the New Testament takes this point from Isaiah and, and quotes him again by declaring that this gift was not just for the nation of Israel. It's not just limited to them, it is for all people. As he writes in Romans chapter 15, Isaiah says this. He says, the root of Jesse will spring up. One who will rise to rule over the nations in whom the Gentiles will have hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This phrase, the root of Jesse is a reference here to King David, who is the son of Jesse, of whose family line it was promised the Messiah would come. And and, and the Messiah is here identified as the king of all nations, not just King David, the king of Israel, but the Messiah, the king of all nations, the hope of all nations. Now that phrase all nations does not just mean all people of one particular time in history. Because as we know, all nations will rise and there will be nations who will fall. There are people of all diverse people groups who make up various nations. And that means that there are all seasons and all times and therefore all circumstances in which Jesus still stands as king. And we know in life, our lives and lives of those around us and around the nations, that all of us experience difficult times. Even at Christmas, for some people especially at Christmas. But the promise here is that right in the middle of the darkness, 
all of us can be filled with this joy and this peace that doesn't make sense and yet results in this incredible hope. And see, Paul's not asking here for God to just dump joy and peace into people's lives. He's not saying just just back up the truck and dump it into their lives, Lord. No, what, what he's doing here, he's not saying dump it in without cause. Rather, he's praying. He's praying that the Lord would help them to remain trusting. That he would help them to remain believing in him. Because remember, belief, trust, is the difference between hope and hopelessness. The difference is not in the circumstances. The difference is not in the possibility of the outcome. The difference between hope and hopelessness is if we stay believing. And here he prays that they would stay trusting and believing in the hope. There's a lady whose name you might be familiar with, uh, Corey Tenboom. Now, she was a Christian who helped many, many Jews. She and her family helped many, many Jews escape the Holocaust. Now, it reached a point where she and her family were found out, and they themselves were taken to a concentration camp where, where they all died except for Corey. She survived. And she went on to write and to speak and to encourage people in times of challenge and difficulty by looking back to the own road that she traveled And as she references these things in many, many of her famous speeches she delivered, she's famously quoted as saying that when the train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away your ticket and jump off. You sit still and you trust the conductor. In this world you will have trouble, Jesus said, but trust in me, the great conductor. And the result of that is overflowing with hope. Not regular hopefulness that comes from, from a human source where circumstances and our control can play, a, can play a role. But hope that comes from a supernatural, Holy Spirit-empowered hopefulness that endures and can be fully trusted upon. And so just as Paul prayed for his church, so too do I pray for the church that God has entrusted to me. I pray for all of you that may the God of hope, who is for all people, for all times, for all seasons, who is available to you today. May he fill you with peace. May he fill you with joy that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit that is within us and is among us. I pray you to experience that as we celebrate the birth of Jesus that happened 2,000 years ago. But did you know if we celebrate that today, there can still be a birth of Jesus today? This is one of the mysteries that makes Christmas so wonderful. A a mystery about how a boy who was born to a young girl named Mary and laid in a manger 2,000 years ago, who we rebuilt on the pages of our Bible, how he can bring hope to us today. But when we find it, we don't find it born into a manger. That hope we find born into our hearts. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Jesus Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. See, the mystery is that, is that God came to dwell upon man on earth in Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus came to reveal the kingdom of God and, and open the way so that now whoever believes in him shall live as citizens of that kingdom. 
And this is a key issue to keep in mind, especially at Christmas, because it's not just that Jesus came. It's why Jesus came that is so incredibly important. See, we know about his birth. We, we know about his sinless life, about his teachings, about the example he left forth. And as perfect as these are, these alone, in and of themselves, if that is our relationship, if that is the sum total of our relationship and how we live our lives is, is, is just trying to mimic his, his teachings and his example, in those things alone, as perfect as they are, there is no salvation from our sins. See, our sins, these things that we've done that, that wrong God and have wronged others, that, that violate God's will and, and violate his perfect character. These sins that lead to a separation between us and God because he is holy and perfect and because of our sins, we're not. And God can't just ignore that. He can't just minimize it and say, well, it's just, it's just a little sin. No, it separates And God's not okay with that separation. He's not okay with us being separated from the hope that exists in him. Because our sin matters. And a price has to be paid for your sin and for mine. So we read about in Romans 6, 23, where it says, For the wages of sin, the result, the outcome of sin, is death. It was declared that somebody had to die because of our sins, but the only one who could do it sufficiently was Jesus But that's the gift. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord who paid the price for our sins. You see, if it was just about the teachings and the miracles and the example, Jesus could have accomplished that just like in the Old Testament with an angel of the Lord appearing. He didn't have to come in flesh to achieve all of that if it was just about teachings and miracles. But we could remember and commemorate the birth of Jesus because in that birth it is God in flesh. It is the first step in the plan of redemption that ultimately leads to Jesus' triumph over sin, hell, and the grave through his sacrificial death. And it is through that that brings meaning to his birth. And that brings new life to all those who believe. That when we believe that Jesus was born to willingly give his life for our sins that we could be forgiven, that should not put a damper on your Christmas. Because that is the very reason in which we celebrate that he came. You see, when you have Jesus in you, you have the hope of glory with you. That means that you can have confidence of an eternity with Jesus because you're already living in it. It's already present in you and with you. And that is not just some anticipated potential future. It is a very real future. It's not something we just hope for. It is a hope we have. And we can live in now. And once you lay hold to it, whether you choose to lay hold to that truth today in your life or if it was someday in the past, don't allow the trials of this world Don't allow the lures and the the treasures of this world to weaken your grip upon that hope. See, we all have seasons in our own stories. If we sat down and and, and shared our testimonies with one another, we'd see that there's these different seasons where where we have high levels of faith and and high hope and trusting, but then there's also times that we dip down pretty low and things fail. And we see this in the people of the Bible as well, who at times waffled and lost their grips on the hope. Where one moment they were just so rock solid in their faith and hope of God that they could face any giant 
with the courage and the certainty as young David with his sling. But then the next moment, the situation changes. And they can't see past the trial. They, they can't see past the pain. They, they can't see God. And it fails them. In the book of Hebrews, it refers to the nation of Israel, whom God rescued by his mighty hand from captivity in Israel, leads them to the Red Sea where he, he parts the waters. And they walk through on dry ground, defeating the enemies behind them. It, it, it speaks of, of God bringing bread from heaven to feed them. As he leads them through the wilderness, the whole time, God leading them in a pillar of cloud at day and a pillar of fire at night. Imagine that you walk out of your tent at night and there's a pillar of fire. The presence of God is right there. I got to imagine you would stand there and say, we can tackle any giant, any trial that comes our way because the hope of our future is right there. And then they go to the promised land. And they find some obstacles, and they see giants. And they succumb to fear, and they succumb to doubt. And they lose their grip. They lose their grip on hope. Careful we don't make the same mistake. Careful that we embrace with confidence the hope we have in Jesus, in salvation, in the promises he made for us. And when we do, not only will we have hope that endures within us, but our hope can give birth to hope in others. That's what the author of Hebrews works his way towards in chapter 10, where he then says, let us hold fast to the hope we profess. For he who promised it is faithful. And then let us spur, consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds in their lives as well. You see, how you react to different times of challenges has an effect upon others. It's all part of our spiritual journey. That while we believe strongly in God, will come through in his promises, our hope in those moments can then spill over to those around us. And in the midst of events that threaten to, to cultivate fear and doubt within us, let us instead cling to the gift of hope that it may not just dwell within us but be contagious in the lives of others. As we think about this, I, I want you to believe that Christmas can still be the best Christmas ever. But it won't be if, if, if our joy and our peace is primarily found in decor and gifts and visits and parties as good and wonderful as those things are. It won't be the best Christmas ever if our hope is simply found in, in masks and vaccines as necessary as those things are. As we continue to pray for those things and for our leaders during this time. But it can be the best Christmas ever if we are trusting in the God of hope who offers you a gift this Christmas. A gift perhaps like this one. Have you ever bought somebody a gift that you were so excited to give to them? You were probably more excited to give it than they were to receive it. Because you thought about them, you sought out the perfect thing, and when you found it, you were so excited just to wrap that up, anticipating the day when you would pass it to them, and they could open it and claim it as their own. A few months back, I, I, I bought Nadine a ring for her 25th anniversary this year. And I bought it two weeks ahead of when I was going to give it to her, and, and I had to sit in that anticipation. I had, I had to sit in that excitement of wanting to give it to her for two weeks, and it was hard to wait 
but I did, and I anticipated that moment where we would sit down to dinner, and, 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 and I would give her the little box, and she'd unwrap it, and she'd put it on, and she'd cry, and it'd be like, mission accomplished, right? She didn't cry, but she did love it, so most of the mission was accomplished. But, but imagine I had handed it to her, and then she just put it on the table, and it just kind of sat there. And then dinner continued, and our conversation continued. The whole time I'm thinking, open it. And it just sits there. And then we finish dinner, and, and it comes time to pay the bill and leave, and, and she takes it and just puts it in her purse, and, and then she goes home. And the whole time I'm thinking, open it. And a few weeks later, I find it on a shelf, starting to collect dust, and open it. See, folks, this gift is for you. There's no diamond rings in it. But it's for you. This gift is freely offered to you. No strings attached. The price has been paid. Paid in full. It is simply offered to you. The tag on here reads, from the root of Jesse. From the Messiah. From Jesus the Christ. And and under the two section it says, to all nations. To all peoples and all times and all circumstances. It, It says to you. It's for you. But you have to open it. Could we bring the lights down a little bit? As long as it sits unopened, we're just walking in the land of shadows. We hope for things to be different. We we hope for things to, to turn a corner. The whole time it just sits there as we walk in the land of shadows. The whole time the gift giver who is in disappointment because his gift has not been opened, saying, open it. And the whole time the gift recipient is missing out on something big. But when we're given the gift, then we choose to open it. The lights start to come back up. And we start to see what it means when Isaiah said, a people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of the shadows, of those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. Do you have the light of Jesus in your life? Have you declared with your words the belief of your heart that Jesus is the Son of God who came to dwell upon man in in the child Jesus? Who was born to ultimately give his life to pay the price for your sins and for mine? Have you declared with your mouth and said, thank you, Jesus, for being my hope, for being my salvation. Thank you for the gift of forgiveness. You gave your life for me, I now give you mine. If you have never done that, you can do that right now, today. You can simply, if you're online, many of us are online these days, you can click in the comment box right now and find somebody to pray with and respond by raising your hand. If you are here in the sanctuary with us on site today, We want to pray with you following the service and and share more of how you can have this hope and how you can take next steps in your walk with Jesus. But maybe there's many here who have made that profession of faith. You've accepted Christ at some point in the past, but fear and darkness threaten to overwhelm you still this Christmas. You see, darkness is simply defined as the absence of light. But as we've been talking about, you have the light. You just need to open it. 
Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. If you ever feel like you're walking in darkness, if you feel like the shadows are closing in and surrounding around you, if you feel that coldness, if you feel alone, remember, darkness cannot overcome the light because light always pierces the darkness. And so I pray for us today that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you place your trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit that is among us. Would you pray with me? We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. That you hear our cries for help. We thank you that you can be attentive to the needs of your people. God, I pray that you would help us that the arrival of Jesus would mean so much to us this year, that it would mean the arrival of hope into our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would help each of us choose to see the light in the midst of the darkness, that we may be the ones who do not just receive light, your light, but also share this light with those around us.